Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, college football insider Brett McMurphy joins us to talk about the announcement that the college football playoff will not be expanding until 2026. We give you the latest OU football updates and discuss the new trend in college football, the collective. We finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, February 21st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in February from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 River of Romance giveaway. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you are at it. Ted, how's my favorite local radio guy doing? (laughs) You know I had to start with that. Come on, man. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just. Just hoping the big boys will throw some scraps down to us so we can talk about something, you know? That's 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 my daily routine. See what everyone else can uh can lead me to. It's funny. Are you all right? You good? I'm good. You, I'm you've good. calmed down? <laughs> I've calmed down. Okay. Okay, good. Just if and if you're confused about about that, go go check out Ted's Twitter. <laughs> at Ted Layman Eleven. You 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 can uh put some fun interactions for you during the week yeah it's easy it's like um I, I don't know there's there's just everyone's got their their take right now and there's really there's 
there's they got they really have nothing to back anything up with other than well I heard or something like that. I don't know. It's weird. You know, you would think if if people would like a uh, an actual perspective or talk to people around the program that may have an idea of of what the uh, status is or what the future might look like, you think they may ask, but no, they just shoot from the hip and guess. I, you know, that's the thing to do. Yeah. It's interesting. Just wildly entertaining for me though. <laughs> wildly entertaining. All right. Let's talk some OU stuff. So wanted to start here. Had a conversation with one of the members of the coaching staff this weekend. And he said a couple of interesting things, but thought one thing in particular was very interesting. And we've talked a lot about how the fan base has been reinvigorated, right? Over these last couple of months with, with the way that Lincoln Riley left and then bringing in Brent Venables and the new energy that he's brought to the program. It, it's created this, this new passion and, almost a new level of investment from the fan base. And one of the things that the coach I talked to this weekend brought up is that not only has it had that effect on the fan base, it's had a similar effect on the players. And that's, that's really not something I I hadn't really thought about it that way because the coach I talked to said, you know, kind of how, the way that everything went down, clearly BV and his staff ha- have quickly connected with this group, right? This group of players. But there's this unique blend of guys on the roster when you consider all the circumstances, and it's created this kind of hyper-motivated and competitive culture of a bunch of guys with chips on their shoulders for different reasons. And as I was listening to this, I was like, I cannot wait to tell Ted about this because that may be the best thing he's ever heard. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think there's a ton of truth to that. Um, you know, even whenever, like, forget how Lincoln left and everything that's gone on since. But whenever there's a regime change and you're still on the team and there's a new staff coming in, there's a whole nother level of because you you get comfortable right with with where you are with with kind of where you sit on a team with with you know you've you've developed some type of relationship with your your position coach and your coordinator on your side of the ball and whenever there's a whole new regime that comes in there's a heightened sense of awareness all of a sudden like hey I better I better get this thing rolling I better make sure I'm ready to ready to play um, in great shape, like you're kind of reignited there. So that happens anyways, you mix in the rest of the things, transfer portal, um, you know, teammates leaving, like there's, there's a whole, whole blend of things going on up there that can have guys ready to, to get started. And, but it's easy right now, right? That's the thing. It's easy to be super motivated and chomping at the bit. Right now in February, a couple of weeks in, can you maintain that all the way through December? You know, that's that's going to be the real challenge. Yeah, no, no, there's no doubt. But just hearing that now, I certainly like hearing that. 
than hearing yeah. the alternative, right? And, and when you when you think about it, when you think about it, like the different groups, if you kind of divide this roster into different groups, right? You you've got the guys that were already on the roster, and, and you mentioned it. Coach V comes in. Of course, you want to make a great first impression, but also you've got this group of guys that kind of got left high and dry for the guy they came to play for. Yeah. And that, that leaves you feeling some type of way. And it, it, you like you instantly get this chip on your shoulder going through that experience. Now, of course you, you want to reach your full potential as a player no matter what your circumstance is, but I feel like it's only natural for those guys to, to maybe feel a little extra motivated. Like, I think that's just human nature. Yep. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. It is. Um, and you know, you mentioned the fan base feeling reinvigorated. I think that feeds down into the players as well. They can see it. Um, they can see what's going on out there. I, the whole the whole brew, you know, throw throw whatever uh, piece you want in there, makes for a really really interesting football team. That you know, also throw in the the fact that they're not getting any credit or any no one thinks they're going to be any good in the upcoming year. Everyone's dismissing them as, you know, the the reason they were good left town right Lincoln Riley and their quarterback. So there there's a bunch of different angles you could take on it, but. I love it, and I love that we're in that position. I really do. I, I knew, I knew you would love it so much. And then, I do think with the transfer guys, especially, like some of these guys have played a lot of football, right? You, you think of like a McCade Matower who's started three years, right? But you've got that group of guys that, uh, of course, they want to prove this staff right for bringing them in, right? That they're they're the type of guys that can be difference makers. And now they've been through college football, right? The, the workouts, the games, like the grind of a season. But you, you just think of a guy like Dylan Gabriel or a guy like Jeffrey Johnson. They, they also want to prove that they're pros. So now I, I feel like everyone that comes to OU, that, that's the goal, right? Go play in the National Football League. But especially if you're one of these guys, you know, that came from UCF or came from Tulane, uh, Daniel Parker, the tight end, like these guys want to prove that they're, they are pro prospects and that they can play in the next level. So that's just, that's just another layer in my mind of motivation. And then when you just look at the guys that are, that are here right now, you've got the early enrollees and you know how it is being a freshman when you just get there, whether you're coming early or you're coming in the summer, it doesn't matter. It's all about making a first impression it's mainly all about surviving, but you're go you're going so hard trying to make a good first impression, not only on the staff, the strength staff, your teammates, the older guys, like you don't want to be the weak link. So I don't know, man, it's just a after, after hearing that from one of the coaches, it, it just seems like this weird blend of guys that have come together and they're just hyper motivated. And it seems like, it's created pretty much the ideal culture that Brent Vittables is looking for. Well, I, and I think that's great. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think it's something they're going to build on, but how about this? 
I think it's the same thing on the coaching staff, right? It's the same thing on the coaching staff. You had uh, you had Lincoln leave, and there was a group that was thrown before they knew it into a situation. Or, or are we going to stay? Are we going to go? Like, what's what's the play here? And you know, this is an opportunity to prove something for for themselves, right? That they're not just under the wing of Lincoln Riley. That this staff can go out and do some really good things. And I'm sure everyone there is just as motivated. And then you mix that in with the group coming in from, from elsewhere. I know Venables has been here before, but you take some guys that are, you know, wanting to prove their worth at a blue blood program. I mean, I know that they're coming from Clemson, but it's still different. Oklahoma is a much bigger animal than Clemson is. So I think all of those things, coaching staff, um, you know, players, new enrollees, transfers, uh, first-time coaches or guys that used to be a part of the program as players that are now coming back in a different role, they're going to be really motivated to prove their worth, uh, you know, in, in their new role. So just all makes for a really exciting time. Yeah, and then one last thing from that conversation I had that I just didn't even know how to process this information. Like I, I just, I didn't even know how to respond, but you, you look at this, this mixture on the roster. It, it sounds like these guys are hungry to be the best they can be, but then something was said that I, I'm still not sure I've processed it fully, but said the players love Schmitty, not like l- love. And that Jerry Schmidt has evolved. Now he's still getting the most out of the guys. Like they're still suffering, but it sounds like the suffering comes with more of a loving message, which I thought, well, I still, I still can't fully comprehend it, but it sounds like Schmitty is a little more, dare I say, positive. Dare I say supportive? Dare I say loving? Then maybe the man you and I knew. So that was, I, I'm still struggling with it. But it, he said they love him, Ted. What? Well, you got to understand, there has to be a bit of a honeymoon phase. You know, if you, you can't, come in combative and just it just being all out 100% right out of the gate you gotta you gotta lure the guys in close to you right get them real close to you that's whenever you drop the hammer and that's I'm sure that's gonna happen there's gotta be there's a process to it and whenever it's early on you make sure that everyone gets gets loved up a little bit and make sure that they, you know, you, you have a little while to, to tell them exactly what it is that you're looking for. And then it's going to be my guess, stronger and stronger um, demands out of the guys. So I guess it's not that big of a shock, but I still think that there's more to come, right? I think it's just that we're in the break-in period right now, I feel like. 
Okay. Yeah. I just, listen, I was fired up to hear all that stuff. And then he said that. And I just, I was like, what? Yeah. Love him. Okay. That's hey, but Hey, listen, everyone evolves. And if it works, listen, all I care about is that these kids are tough and that they're big and fast and strong. That's all I care about. Because if you do those things, if you're tough and you're big and fast and strong, you're going to win a lot of football games That's with right. the talent that you bring in at Oklahoma. So it's all that matters. Hey, Schmitty's going about it a little differently. Yeah, but I, I got a feeling once that summer rolls around. Yeah. Oh, by the way, they're, they're not starting spring ball till after spring break. They got a long winter, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good because I thought it was a bit of a late start the way they got going and understandably so. But, um, yeah, that's that's going to be something. That's good. I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. What is it? Is it supposed to be like July 1st? Is that the last day that you could transfer and still be on a – unless there's some type of – um, special circumstance exemption. Yeah. I feel like whenever that day hits, that's whenever boom, the hammer drops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, here we go, brother. We've locked you in. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting, but Hey, we'll, uh, I just, here we go, boys. <laughs> like I could just see it now, but yeah. I just thought that was so interesting, man. I couldn't believe it. All right, so there's a new thing I would say that is that is popping up around college football, and we'll talk about it. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite java amore that coffee is fantastic loves also have you has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones they've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there make sure you download the loves connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands the loves connect app also includes a route planner and store locator when you see that red neon heart on the highway stop in and say hi at loves travel stops for a full list of what loves has to offer visit loves.com and congratulations Michael McDowell, seventh place finish at the Daytona 500 in the Loves 34. He won it last year, so first last year, seventh this year. Pretty pretty good back-to-back -back, uh, finishing for the old Loves 34. Just saying. Not bad. Not bad at all. Opolis Clothing, uh, this group works really, really fast. They saw everyone's request for the It Ain't Good Enough shirt, and they made it happen. It ain't good enough, which was the best thing uh, come across the Twitter timeline. Oh, yeah. I like it. There you go. I'm sure that one's uh, buttery soft, right? Absolutely. It's available now. Uh, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. Don't forget to buy one of our St. Patrick's Day shirts as well. There you see both of them. You got the four-leaf clover and then the uh, just the traditional Oklahoma breakdown. Uh, those are time sensitive, we should say. Got to order them by March 3rd. Yeah, you got to get it in by March 3rd. Still get your discount on all the OU and Oklahoma City Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use our promo code TED, T-E-D, 
for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. Okay. So the new name, image, and likeness rules have led to what people are calling collectives. So if you're not familiar, a collective is essentially a group of alumni or fans that pool money from various donors of all different amounts and then distribute that money in some form or fashion to student athletes for doing things like appearances, autograph signings, like those types of things. And David Oven, which is a name that a lot of people around here will recognize, wrote an article for The Athletic, very interesting article about a collective that supports Tennessee, the University of Tennessee. Uh, this company, it's called Spire Sports, and their goal is to raise $25 million a year, which seems unsustainable. But if you read the article, it's like in the SEC, like a $10 million collective is going to become pretty much the norm. And you, you, you dive into this article and the Spire sports guys, they're, you know, they're getting guys six figure NIL deals and then taking that information about what the current players at Tennessee are making. And then they are using that to present to recruits trying to get them to go to Tennessee, which is, I guess, technically not against the rules. Like it's not NIL. It's not supposed to be used as a recruiting inducement. And I know the D one council just came out and said, they're going to review how NIL policies have affected athletes, school choices and how it's affecting transferring and academics. And they're, I think they even threw mental health in there. And not to not to downplay mental health, very important. But I I find this fascinating, Ted. I feel like I feel like I'm going to get into the collective game, some form or fashion. I feel I feel called to help my help my alma mater because if Tennessee's raising twenty five million dollars to dish out to guys, like I don't I don't know. I saw that figure and I was like, we got to do something now, man. Like yeah. I don't know. It just. It it was it was eye opening for me reading that article from Oven. I mean that was, whoa, yeah, no that that's a that's a big chunk of money. Now, I, I I'm just fascinated to see like, are they really using twenty five million dollars a year in NIL deals with their their players? Like what I feel like it is is a way to collect a massive amount of money. Um, 25 million, you don't just have it sitting in a bank account, right? You're going to have it working for you. You're going to be making money off of it. Crypto. Like, who knows what, what happens to the money that you're making off the $25 million fund? Like, who's running it? How much are they paying themselves? Like... I don't know. I feel like this is a just a, another way to make money off of this thing. And then, yeah, they're going to be throwing some in NIL deals to players. But I don't know. The whole thing is just a total mess. But it's the new way of doing business in, in big-time college football. So Oklahoma's going to have to get in on the act. That's just how it is. I, 
I, I think I'm serious about like helping in some way, right? I know some people around here and I, just because the way I look at it is someone's got to do something, right? Because if Tennessee is doing this now, I, I do not think that amount of money is sustainable. I just, I, I just don't, I just find it hard to believe that people, because well, you're also trying to get donations from the same type of people like the OU fans for other things that are going on athletically, like, um, you know, softball field and baseball facilities. And you got an arena going possibly with the basketball teams and OU's want, or the football teams wanting to do facility upgrades. So you're hitting a lot of these same people for all of those things as well. It just seems. I don't so, know. So in my mind, like and I, I thought about this in the shower a little bit because it, you know, shower thoughts where I was like, Best man, yep. I, because we, it, it seems like, oh, you've got to do something. And remember the school, they can't be directly involved. But when you think about how the Oklahoma law reads, which I went ahead and took it, took a gander at the NIL law here in the state of Oklahoma, it's rather vague. <laughs> Let's just say, like, and some people at the university help write the law. So in, in my mind, you know, the OU way of doing this would be you work closely. You, you consult OU's leadership, like the administration, Joe Castiglione, whoever would feel comfortable in, you know, having that discussion. But you, you can't, like, operate in the gray where I feel like some of these, some of these collectives are operating. Like it, it would need to be kind of black and white. And I, I think that, you know, I think I'm going to look into it. I, I really do. Because like, if you could just put on a couple of events a year and make it very clear in your marketing that, Hey, this is, this is to support these guys, like some appearance fees for some of the players. I don't know how many, but I think OU fans, like they want to help in any way they can. And you could find out or you could figure out some creative ways to to let people maybe that can't give huge amounts to feel like they're helping out. Like, because I know this. I don't want OU to be bad at football. I know that. And going to the SEC, and I know it may feel a little farther off than it did a couple months ago, right? But the last thing I want is for OU football not to be good. And I don't right. want this the reason to be the reason that OU isn't getting top tier talent. Like I, I I've talked about this a lot, but o Oklahoma football is one of the most important things in my life. Yeah. It, it means that much to me. So dude, I'm, I'm hitting, I'm hitting the research this week. I'm taking a look. I'm asking questions. I'm well, maybe forming an LLC. I don't know, man, but this is just the new reality of college football, and we the way I see it, we can't let OU fall behind. You do it the right way. Do it to where you know you're you're doing stuff for the best interest of the players. Of course, you got to make a little money doing it, or else it's not worth your time. But if you can get everyone on the same page, like I don't know, I just feel like we got to do something. I don't know. Yeah. No. I'm. Hey, I'm with you. Um, and that's what it's going to take to be competitive. So, yeah, I'm, 
I'm right there with you. You already have like seven jobs though. So <laughs> maybe I'll see if Dusty wants to do it. I'll, <laughs> I'll send Dusty a text. I don't, I don't know if your wife, your wife would kill me if, if uh, I tried to get you into doing one more thing. Okay. Birthday shout outs time. Ooh, it's a big list. It's a, remember when I was like, man, it's light last episode. The people heard the people were like, Oh, okay. Happy first birthday to Inslee Calvert. All right. Happy birthday, Inslee. Happy belated eighth birthday to Henson Kendall. Happy birthday, Henson. Happy ninth birthday to Miles and Henry Terrell. Happy birthday, Miles and Henry. Twins. Nice. Happy 11th birthday to Jaden Ross. Happy birthday, Jaden. Happy 21st birthday to Logan Harper. Happy birthday, Logan. Be smart. Happy 23rd birthday to Tyler Jacob Rodman. What a name. Happy birthday, Tyler Jacob Rodman. Happy 27th birthday to Braden Harris. Happy birthday, Braden. Happy 29th birthday for the 30th time to <laughs> Janet Davis. Happy birthday, Janet. Happy 38th birthday to Andy Asbury. Happy birthday, Andy. Happy 40th birthday to Chelsea Ketcher. Happy birthday, Chelsea. Happy 53rd birthday to Joshua Peck. Happy birthday, Joshua. Happy 65th birthday to Diane Rowland. Happy birthday, Diane. Happy birthday to the mother-daughter duo of Marley and Yudi Bosley. Happy birthday, Marley and Yudi. Is Yudi? that a, yeah. It's got to be Yudi, right? It's a sweet name. Never, I don't think I've ever yeah, seen that name. I like it. Happy birthday to Jim and Tracy Kaltenbacher. Oh, what a name. Happy birthday, Jim and Tracy. Happy birthday to the OU football historian himself, Mike Brooks. Mike Brooks, fantastic guy. Happy birthday, Mike. Happy birthday to Stephen Garrett. Happy birthday, Stephen. Happy birthday to Selena Slayton. And also happy anniversary. Big week for Selena. B-Day and anniversary. Congratulations, Selena. And last but not least, happy 25th anniversary to Chad and Leslie Huddleston. Happy anniversary, Chad and Leslie. Amazing. Okay, the biggest news in college football. College football playoffs not expanding until 2026. They, they, they couldn't figure it out. So we brought our man Brett McMurphy in to explain why. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. Duh. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. All right, guys. Spring is right around the corner, and I know that because today was winter in the morning and spring in the afternoon. Oh, that yeah. means spring is getting close. 
but it doesn't matter because it's always hard seltzer season. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You got to change 12. that part. Got to change that part. That's on me. Well, hot tub is year round. Fire. Agreed. Okay. Yeah, we'll look at changing it. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive in flavors like Cherry Lime Made, Ocean Water. Or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. All right. Maybe Brett McMurphy will make us feel better about the college football playoff not expanding. Or maybe he won't. But here he is. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man that is the college football insider for the Action Network. He also happens to be an Oklahoma State alum, but that's fine. It's fine. He is Brett McMurphy. Brett, what's going on, man? My sister's an OU grad, so if, if we can continue the conversation by giving that info, I'd, I'd love it. That is, Perfect. That, yeah, that's that's important information that we definitely needed to know. Okay, <laughs> I you've been you've been following this for a long time, but. After lots and lots of meetings uh, between the leaders in college football, the college football playoff is not expanding, or at least not expanding until 2026. And I guess my question to start things off, Brett, is why not? Um, let's see. 11 responsible adults could not come to a conclusion that all 11 responsible adults believe is the right thing to do, and that is expand the playoffs. And there are various reasons for that. Um, part of that is because the SEC expanding. Part of that is you have new commissioners. Um, but it basically boils down to, you know, they have become divided. The 11 folks I'm talking about, the 10 commissioners plus Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick, in the past, when there were disagreements between the commissioners going back when Jim Delaney and Mike Slive were, were head of the Big Ten and the SEC, they would work things out. You know, everybody wouldn't get what they wanted, but ultimately they would come to a conclusion that would be, for the most part, in the best interest of college football. We're at a point now where everybody, and I understand why, they're doing what's best for their conference. If you're commissioner of the MAC, you're doing what's best for the MAC. If you're commissioner of the SEC or the Big 12, you're doing what's best for those conferences. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what the president hired you to do. However, regarding the college football playoff, I'd say that, I don't know, 90%, 95%, maybe that's low. People involved in college athletics believe the playoff should be expanded. We can debate whether it should be 8, 12, Heck, Mike Leach wants 64 teams, maybe one day. With well, that being said, they can't come to an agreement on how to do that, and now we have to wait another four years with this 14 playoff to finish out. And then there's no guarantee they're going to come to an agreement when that contract expires on what the new playoff would look, would look like. So I may, may have went a little bit longer than you wanted, but it's to make it as simple as possible, they – 11 very smart people cannot come to an agreement on something that everybody agrees needs to happen. And as a college football fan, as a reporter, it sucks. 
and that's, I could use a lot of other words, but we'll keep this uh, family friend friendly, but it sucks. And it's a, it's a joke. It's a disgrace that this ha has happened, but Hey, that's college football. Uh, the, the one thing I've wanted to know throughout this is, you know, what is, what, what are the networks role in the expansion talk? Because obviously, you know, ESPN has, has total control over under the current, um, under the current contract. Now, if they play this contract all the way out and bring it up to, to bid, I mean, you know, there's been talk about some other networks wanting to be able to get in and, and be a part of it if it does expand and be able to broadcast some of those games. Do you have you heard if ESPN is okay with that or are they pressuring to get this thing done and expanded to where they'll still have exclusive rights? How has that whole thing been working out? Yeah, I don't think the the issue is they, they haven't even got to that point yet. That's what's I think so frustrating for everyone that wants this to happen is, you know, look, if you, if you re if there's a 12 year contract, we have four years left of a 14 playoff. If you decide before the 12 team play, excuse me, the 12 year contract is up that you want to extend it, renew it, tweak it, change it. Then you have to have an 11 and a 11 and 0 unanimous um, vote by everyone involved to do that. So, and then part of that is ESPN then would be able to have, I guess, exclusive negotiating rights on whatever that new format is. If you want to run the, the new deal out 12 more years, two years, six years, whatever. However, Ralph Russo of AP and other reporters have mentioned that if they did decide to do that, which obviously they have, they, they shut the door on that that ESPN would be open to letting multiple networks bid, be part of the bidding process if a playoff started before this current 12-year deal was up. So yeah, they haven't even got to that point. And the other frustrating thing is the many consultants that work for the different conferences have estimated that a 12-team playoff would bring in an additional $450 million in additional revenue. That's the difference financially between a 14 playoff and a 12 team playoff. And for once, which is shocking in college football, money did not matter. Money did not run the day, rule the day, because if so, you would have thought they would have got something done just thinking about how much more money they would make with a 12 team playoff. But so now with contract going the full 12 years done so then when they decide what they're going to do in the new in the new format whether it's two four six eight sixteen whatever that will be open to bidding of all any media outlet you know espn fox amazon netflix uh, your guys podcast whoever will all be available to to bid for that and they'll they'll go to the highest bidder um, so basically that will be a big change. But again, from what Ralph Russo and others had reported, ESPN was willing to let others be involved in the bidding process, even if they started, even if they interrupted the contract. So basically ESPN would have, would have said, okay, we'll give away our exclusive negotiating rights so we can have a bigger 
playoff moving forward. But again, we never got to that point to see exactly what would have happened. Brett, so you mentioned that they essentially leave $450 million on the table where ESPN would have allowed other networks to come in and bid on maybe expanding this thing under the current contract. Help me understand why, and according to a bunch of different, uh, you know, bunch of different reporters, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC, the Alliance, were the ones that voted <laughs> against it. H- help me understand why they would do that when they could have brought in that amount of money. I uh, help. I, I I'm confused. It, I am too. I can I can tell you, you know, I can tell you their reasoning. You know, whether you agree with it or not, that's up to you. The reasoning for the ACC is they felt like that there's too many questions going on in the current landscape of college athletics regarding the future of the NCAA, name, image, and likeness. Also, they had an issue with player safety. By going to a 12-team playoff, some teams may play additional games compared with now. They claim that their players were not in favor of that. That was their stance. The Big Ten they wanted the conference champs to get automatic bids in a 12-team format, and then a, the highest-ranked group of five conference champ would get an automatic bid, and the remaining six bids would go to the highest six-ranked six ranked large teams. Basically, everyone else except for the ACC and the Pac-12s, they're a whole nother category i'll explain that in a second but basically everyone else wanted not the power five conference champs to get an automatic bid but the top six highest ranked conference champs each year to to get an automatic bid 99 percent of the time that's going to be the power five champs included in that top six conference champions now a couple of years ago if we would add a 12 team playoff in that format oregon was 24th or 25th and Cincinnati and of the American and Coastal Carolina of the Sun Belt had higher ranked conference champs. So if that model was in place back then, then the Pac-12 would not have got an automatic bid. They wouldn't have gotten the playoff because they would have had nobody ranked high enough to get in a large bid either. The issue with allowing Power 5 conference champs automatic bids is a case of if you've got a number 25 Oregon, why should they be in a 12-team playoff just because they want a Power 5 conference if they're only ranked 25th? Um, but again, you needed a unanimous vote to do that. So that's, that, that was the Big Ten's holdup. The Pac-12 is, I don't know what they're doing. They put out a release that basically said there were six formats that had been discussed. An 18 playoff, the 12-team playoffs, uh, Power 5 getting automatic bids, Power Fives not getting automatic bids. They said they agreed with all of them. They were not opposed to any of them. However, when the presidents voted, um, you know, last week, a few days ago, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC all voted against the 12-team format. So the Pac-12 put out a statement a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago, and said they were in favor of all of these different formats. Yet when the presidents voted on it, the college football playoff um, management committee, 
made up of a president representing all 10 conferences in Notre Dame. The Pac-12 voted against it. So to be very honest, I don't know what the hell the Pac-12 is doing. Um, they usually do what the Big Ten says. So I guess here's another example. So the Pac-12 is talking out of both sides of their mouth. I, those are the reasons you can decide whether to agree or disagree who's right or wrong. Bottom line is there's not a right or wrong answer in this. But you would, again, you would think that these people could come up with an agreement that would work for everybody, but they can't do it. And so what's, what's going to happen now in the future? Well, here's one thing. There's no guarantee that we'll have a playoff in the future because this 12-year 12, 12 deal ends in four years. So what happens after that? If there's no new playoff that has been agreed upon by everyone, then there's no playoff. So the biggest question I have, and a lot of people throughout college athletics, is what is going to change now that's going to be different in you know two, three years from now when they have to come to an agreement on what they, the new format will be? Is, uh, is the ACC suddenly going to change their mind? Is the Pac-12, is the Big Ten? You know, it, it, it appears doubtful. They've been talking about this model for the past, you know, past year, past several months, and they could not come to an agreement. Greg Sankey has come out publicly and said, look, guys, when the idea of a 12-team playoff first came up, the SEC was against it. But there were several ADs and presidents within the SEC that was not for a 12-team format. And you can see why. The SEC's done pretty well with the four-team format. They, they have a team in every year. They have two teams in every, every third or fourth year. They've obviously won the majority of, of champions have come from the SEC. So Greg Sankey said, look, guys, we decided we would be in favor of the 12-team model because we think that's what's best for everybody overall. But Sankey said, you know what? When we start talking about a new playoff format when the current one expires, don't assume that we're going to be okay with the 12-team format how it is now. We may change our thinking because, oh, by the way, OU and Texas are coming on board, and they may, they may want to stay at four. They may want to go to eight. They may want two. Who knows? The SEC, I don't think this will ever happen, but the SEC and Big Ten is powerful enough where they could just get together and say, hey, let's just have a playoff between the, the four highest-ranked teams from the SEC and the Big Ten, and that'll be a national championship. And everyone would, you know, they would have their different <laughs> uh, opinions on it, mock it, whatever. But bottom line is you're probably going to get the best team in the country coming out of the SEC or the Big Ten. That's how powerful those two leagues are. I don't think that's what they would prefer. But going forward, that's a very real possibility. And, and one, one last thing, the ironic thing with not getting this 12-team format done is the three conferences that voted against it other than the big 10 are the ones that would have benefited the most from it the pac-12 hasn't has been in the fewest number of playoffs of all the power five leagues the acc obviously had some success with with clemson um you know florida state went in the first year but you know they've kind of been an afterthought and here with the 12-team playoff, they're going to be involved in it. Now, with the 14-team playoff, there's no guarantee. So it's just, you know, again, it's, it's frustrating. You can tell how frustrated I am, and I'm not even involved in the, in the 
in the voting or, or structure of all this stuff. I mean, and another part is, I think, you know, obviously you guys are, are you know, OU ties. I do believe very strongly, and have people told, told, told tell me this, the fact that OU in Texas happened before the 12-team playoff was officially done, that, that caused a lot of issues with the Big Ten, with the ACC and the Pac-12, um, and the Big 12. But you know what? The Big 12 has put all that aside and said we're in favor of a 12-team playoff. I'm not sure if those other leagues have, have still put that aside. And I think they still hold that against the SEC. And you couple that with the fact that those leagues all have fairly new commissioners. And so that's why we're now we're stuck at a, at a big cluster. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that builds right into the the question I I had ready to fire your way is there's been this conspiracy theory floating around that the reason the the Pac-12, ACC, and Big Ten are voting against the conference expansion is because there's this thought that if you go to a 12-team playoff, and you don't do the the automatic qualifier, well, then what's to stop the SEC from just um, acquiring all of the top schools in the country? Because they're starting to get there that way anyways. If you're going to a, a massive 12-team expansion where you don't have the automatic qualifier, what's to stop the SEC from going go ahead and grabbing Florida State and Clemson or Notre Dame and Ohio State bringing all these teams in just to have their own conference. And is there any truth to any of that? Have you heard any of that? And that's why these teams are, are vote or these conferences rather are voting against it. I mean, maybe, maybe some fan bases may think that I don't think, I don't think anyone that, that has any power um, within college athletics really believes that. Now, that's not saying that may not be the case several years down the road. But look, the Big Ten is going to get a new media rights deal in the next couple of years. They're probably going to bypass what the SEC is making. They'll, you know, I'm sure multiple networks will win rights to the Big Ten. CBS, which is losing to ESPN, wants to stay involved with college football you could argue the Big Ten, although not as successful on the field, has bigger markets, bigger fan bases than the SEC. So the, the CBS is going to throw a ton of money at the Big Ten. The Big Ten will actually make more money than the SEC. As far as the SEC going to grab Clemson, Florida State, or Notre Dame, the ACC's media rights is through 2034. So we still have 13 years left. So what that means is if a school would leave the ACC, we'll say they would leave next year. For the next 10 years, all of their home meteorite 
TV revenue would stay with the ACC. So it wouldn't financially, it would not make sense for anybody to leave, even to go to the SEC or go to the Big Ten. Financially, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't make sense. Now, when we get, you know, three or three years out from 2034, is that possible? Absolutely. But right now, no way. It, it, it's not going to happen. And the other thing is, you know, with Texas and OU, the funny thing is, all of the conferences that, you know, are, are, are crying and belly aching about it happening, they all would have taken OU and Texas in a heartbeat. The ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12. Heck, the, the Pac-12 already tried it once. They all would have, they all would have taken OU and Texas if, if they would have joined. Heck, the, the Big Ten, <laughs> if Notre Dame called them and said, look, we don't care about the, the grant rights with the ACC, we're, we want to come to the Big Ten. The Big Ten would do it in a heartbeat. They, they would literally, I'd say they'd burn the contract of the Alliance in a fire, but they actually have no written contract. So um, I guess there's nothing to deal with there. But the, it's just so hypocritical that a lot of things that these conferences say as far as the Alliance and doing what's right for the good of college football, it, it's hogwash. Because if they had the chance to add OU in Texas, they all would have done it. If Notre Dame would could lead the ACC right now and join the Pac-12, join the Big Ten, join the Big 12, all of those conferences would say absolutely yes. But to your original question, yeah, the, the any schools leaving the ACC, that's not going to happen for at least 10 years. Could that happen down the road? Absolutely. Who knows what we have then? We could have four 16-team super conferences. We could have three 24-team uh, super conferences. We could have a NFL type model with 30 to 40 teams playing under kind of the same umbrella uh, divided up in the different divisions or conferences or whatever they call them. So that's something I think you're on to, but I think that's, that's still, you know, a good 10 years down the road. Could it happen? Absolutely. Yes. In the near future. It's very, very doubtful. Brett, uh, Mike Oresco has been very outspoken uh, over these last couple of months, but with, with this with this not getting done, with expansion not getting done now, should should the group of five be worried that maybe when it comes around in 2026 that they could just get phased out entirely? Is that something you think that could happen, that it could just be a, a power five playoff and they just leave all those schools behind? Yeah, I mean, I think I think anything's possible. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I think if you if you gave the the commissioners truth serum, I think I really don't think they don't want the group of five to be part of a playoff, but they're also they're not going to pay them as much. They're not going to get as much revenue from the college football playoff is the Power Five leagues because they're not worth as much. TV ratings, ticket sales, et cetera, et cetera. And they currently don't. So whatever the new contract is, um, you know, if the, the Power Five will decide, make a recommendation how it will be split up and the group of five is going to get <laughs> a big chunk less than the Power Five. And if the group of five won't go along with it and say, wait, wait, we deserve more, you know, Cincinnati made the playoffs and this, this or that, the Power Five will say either you're in or you're not. 
you know, you can go do your own playoff. So, you know, I don't, I don't think they would put the screws to him to exclude him, but certainly I don't think they're going to be, um, I don't think they're going to give him a great deal. They're not going to overpay for those, for those leagues. And to kind of put it in perspective, and look, I'm afraid we're going to get to that point where the Power Five splits from the, from the non-Power Five. And I understand that, that it's changed now with the, they call them the Autonomy Five, where they kind of make, make the rules that, you know, pertain to them. And because in the past you had, you know, the University of Alabama had to operate under the same rules as San Jose State. No offense to San Jose State, but you know, it's those are two different animals. And so you're limiting what Alabama could do as far as size of their staff, different different things that would basically, you know, handcuff them because not everybody could afford it. Well, we're past that now. But for instance, the SEC um, revenue numbers they put out last week, each school received a, about 54, 55 million um, for the last fiscal year. The <laughs> Conference USA schools, million a year school. Now, and think about that. That's, that's crazy. Now, look. Saturday, anything can happen. Anybody can beat anybody. But there is no way on the face of this earth that any school or business that's receiving $50 million less than your competition is going to be able to compete against that, that other business or school 365 days a year. So I think because of that, and look, this is not going to, the group of five is not going to narrow the gap. The gap's only going to get bigger and bigger. And I do think of that, I do think because of that is one reason that we may see them split apart. And, you know, Nick Saban has been very vocal about this. He wants his schedule, he wants to play power five only opponents. He wants it like the NFL. So you don't have to, you don't have to go 12 and one or 13 and 0 in the SEC to make the playoff. He's fine with going, playing all power five schools like the NFL. And if you go nine and three or eight and four, it's based on the strength of your team, uh, power ratings, however they would do it, and you're not penalized. You're not being compared against 13 and 0 Cincinnati, who played two ranked teams, against you know Alabama, who played six or seven. Um, but people are saying, well, Cincinnati needs to be in the playoff over. Al- I know Alabama won the SEC, but if they wouldn't have. Um, they need to be in the playoff because they went undefeated. Well, yeah, they won. They went undefeated. They didn't. They only played two ranked teams. And so I think part of the a combination of those reasons are why the power five, I believe, somehow will split from the group five. And look, I know it sounds like I'm pounding the power five's drum right right now. I I don't like it. I don't think it's good for college athletics. I think it's college athletics is going to end up being like the NFL, and I don't like that, but I'm afraid that's where we're headed and conference realignment with Nebraska going to the Big Ten and, you know, all the other dominoes that followed, I think that's unfortunately what we're headed towards. The question is now, when are we going to get there? Is it in two years, four years, five years, or 10 years? 
but um, it's kind of like, you know, I know you guys, you know, aren't that, uh, aren't that old, but I know you guys probably remember we used to have the WAC conference. I mean, the conference USA could be gone in a couple of years. Who knows? That's not, look, they're not going to win a national championship. Probably never, not probably, but they won't. But I don't think that's good to just these conferences just totally going away. Um, but that's kind of the result of, of kind of what all is going on with, with college athletics. And, and like I said, the gap's only going to get bigger between these power schools and non-power schools. Well, I personally believe that the group of five are dumb for not having their own playoff and doing it the right way, doing it like a, a legitimate playoff. And they would make a lot of money off of that, I think. I think there's some really good teams there. I think there's it would be a great product. And I think a lot of people would watch it. Instead, they're um, they're happy to just be drug along with the big boys in ca- just so they can get a couple of scraps handed out every now and then. I personally think that's a, a ridiculous business model. No one's ever going to win anything. You're just kind of there. Um, but you know, you know what? I actually a, a few years ago I actually wrote. Um, I believe. Uh, I think it was before I got to ESPN, I was at CBS Sports. So it's probably been uh, seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 years ago. I actually um, did some reporting on that. And there were, there were some people within the, the group five that wanted their own playoff. They should. But right now, all they are is a bunch of glorified <laughs> practice dummies. They can't do anything. It's they're, like they're, the NIT tournament and the NCAA. You're absolutely right. The problem is, Privately, they would tell me that nobody would go on the record because when you do that, you're admitting you're not as good as the power five when, but you don't want to admit that it would kill recruiting. Supposedly it would kill fan interest, a number of other things to basically admit you weren't on the same level. I do believe group five can beat power five teams on any given, on any given weekend but I don't believe that a group five can compete with that same um, playing a power five school every week and have the same amount of success. The so thing what? is to power in the, the, well, if you do that, if, if you force them, if you force, force the group five out of the, out of the playoff, there's going to be a lawsuit. They're going to get called before Congress, et cetera, et cetera. The money's a big difference. I had Power Five ADs tell me that if the group of five approached them about wanting to do their own playoff, in other words, it's one thing if they come to the Power Five and say, "Hey, you know what, guys, we want to do our own playoff." It, that's totally different than the group than the Power Five saying, "You know what, you're not going to be part of our playoff." The Power Five ADs told me that they they were pretty confident that the Power Five would actually pay the group of five not to be a part of their playoff. It would make it financially worth their while part of the playoff um, and to figure out how to do that. But again, nobody within the group of five will, you know, will admit to that publicly. And a perfect example, and I just thought of this, I'm not, I, I really like this guy, so I'm not, I'm not picking on him. But Danny White, when he was at UCF, Whenever he would talk about scheduling non-conference games, he says, well, we deserve a home and home. We're going to do a home with power fives. We're going to do home and home. Whoever we play, it's home and home, whether it's a group five or power five. Well, he 
you know, didn't have a lot of luck getting power five home and homes because of obviously the disparity between the power five and the group of five. Danny White's now the AD of Tennessee. How many home and homes is Tennessee doing with group fives? I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I think it's none. Why? Well, it's different now. He's, he's now part of the power five. So his, you know, his mindset has changed, but I agree with you. I think they have their own playoffs. I think there should be some kind of way and you can, you could set it up this way. Or if you have a team like Cincinnati that is voted amongst the top four teams overall, then they would, they would get a bid to the big boy playoff, if you will. Um, And if, nobody qualifies for that, then they just have their own playoff. I think it would be, I think it would be be big television wise. Like you said, you could incorporate the bowl games. You could do a number of different things, play it on campus, whatever you want to do. The problem is it's not going to happen until the power five officially splits from the group five. Then I think you'll finally see it happen. But unfortunately, I don't think you'll see them do that on their own just because of, you know, all the reasons we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Well, I, I, the other thing I was going to say is, and tell me if you think I'm wrong on this, when there's $450 million to be made and nobody has to do anything extra to get it, I, it's going to happen. Like, is it, is this just not some serious posturing here? Is that not what we're witnessing? I've never seen a negotiation before where there's half a billion dollars Nobody has to do anything extra. No one. They don't have to do anything. You don't have to work more hours. You don't have to you don't have to put anything of your own on the table. We all just say yes and split the half a billion dollars. Like that never gets shut down, right? It did this time. <laughs> the thing, they, I mean, the the co- the co- they, I mean, the college football came out Friday and said we are not expanding for the remainder of the contract. And, and, you know, look, they can always come back and say, hey, you know, last minute we figured this out. But they are, officially they have said there will be no expansion. The, the, the 12-year contract will run its course as a 14 playoff. This year is year nine. We'll have, we'll have four more years, including this year, and then we'll figure out what to do next. So they, they have said – it's done. It's over with. We're moving on trying to figure out what we're going to do in 2026 because the only way it can change is if all the conferences that don't want the power five automatic bids would have to change their mind, which ain't happening, or the big 10 ACC and PAC 12 would have to change their mind, which they've given no indication that that's going to happen either. Either You make a great point. You, there would be an additional two two games for teams that made it to the final, or if a team that didn't get a first round by ran the table, they would have a couple extra games, but there's already been, there's already been talk about possibly changing some of the rules, game rules. So, you know, you don't stop a clock on an incomplete pass or you keep the clock running on first downs or different. So there's fewer plays in games. So that would kind of shrink the number of plays, you know, each player would, would um, experience through a year. So they're kind of, they're kind of working on ways to tweak that because of an expanded schedule. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's mind boggling. Here's, you know, $450 million. And all you have to do is agree on this 
which everyone everyone says they want to expand. They just can't come to an agreement on how that format will be. And so, yeah, we're we're stuck with four teams. And the funny thing is, look, a 12-team playoff would be great because you would – when we get to – right now we get to October, and, like, the number of playoff teams has been reduced from – it probably starts at 10. Before the season, you know, you can pick 10 teams and say, okay, here's your playoff field. Maybe there's an outlier like Michigan this year came out of nowhere. They weren't ranked in the preseason. But for the most part, you know who they are. By the time we get to October, we're down to like six, maybe eight teams. If you've got a 12-team playoff, we're going into mid-November, and you're going to have more than 20 teams that can get into the playoff, either as an at-large or either by winning their conference. You're going to have more people invested. You're going to have more fan bases invested. But now it's just it's going to go back to four teams. And kind of like, kind of like base Major League Baseball. I don't know if you guys are baseball fans. I'm not. But one thing I hate about Major League Baseball is, you know, after a after you know one eighth of the season, whether your team has a shot to make the play, they've either been eliminated or they have no shot. It's the same way. Look, a 12 team playoff doesn't mean Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. The the reg, the usual suspects aren't going to be Georgia are not going to be in the final four, but you're going to have some different teams that get in the mix. Maybe somebody can pull off an upset. The bottom line, I just think it's better for college football when you have more programs engaged that have a chance to get in the playoff. Because right now, there's a hundred with James Madison making the move, there's 131 teams that play FBS football. That number is going to go up when we have a couple of F- FCS teams um, make the move to Conference USA. So basically, you know, you're almost 2% of teams can go to the playoff. It's the smallest percentage in any sport by, by a large number, and I don't think that's good for college football. Brett, we love this silly sport. There, there's no doubt. But this news, you, you didn't make me feel any better about it, man. But we, we, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, it, it's always fun catching up. And congratulations on your Cowboys' successful season. It, it hurt me to say that, but congratulations. You know what? Uh, it's, thank you, but 17 plays inside the 10-yard line and one touchdown. And I really believe, and I'm not, you know, uh, people believe it or not. I'm not being a homer. I really think if Oklahoma State wins that game, they get in the playoffs. I'm talking about Baylor. Because of the disparity of the the wins versus ranked teams, the tougher schedule, all that stuff. That's what made – and you know what? People have said, well, what what would – how have you – how would you have felt if Oklahoma State won that game and didn't get in the playoffs? I said I would have felt a hell of a lot better than them losing the game and not getting the playoff. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a it was a nice ending. I'm back in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, it's it's fun to hear OU fans say "Wait till next year." Doesn't happen often, but I, I love hearing that. So I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure you do, man. Uh, appreciate the time. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. See you. Well, 
Brett did not make me feel any better about the college football playoff not expanding. I, I'm still confused. I still don't understand. Yeah, not even after the current contract is up. Doesn't feel better about it then either, right? So no one knows how to feel right now, I think, is, is what we learned. Yeah, I, so when, when, when you think about it, what does it really mean for OU? Right. I mean, that's our, that's our big concern. Is it, is it really that big of a deal? Right. Because clearly OU and Texas going to the SEC, I, I think this is what derailed expansion. Right. I don't know if, I mean, just did, if people just felt so deceived that like they still can't get over it. I, I don't know. I thought $450 million would be enough money for them to get over it. I, I was wrong, but. The Big 12 grant of rights is up in June of 2025. So OU is going to be in the SEC at the very latest in the 2025 season. So with the CFP deal ending after the 2025 season, I guess if you look at, I don't know if worst case scenario is the best way to put it, but that would be one season without an expanded playoff where OU would be playing in the Southeastern Conference. So now maybe they maybe OU tries to get there sooner than that, but I don't know. I, I the way I'm looking at it is that is I don't know if that's the most likely scenario, but it's not that bad, you know, the one season in the SEC without an expanded playoff, sure, fine. Right. Well, I think I think a expanded playoff is would be more interesting for the sport, draw more people into the sport, obviously make more money for the sport. But the impact on OU, nothing. You're still trying to win every single game you play, right? Um, you know, monetarily, it seems like there, there'd be a, a pretty nice boost there, but does it boost you any more than it does anyone else? I'm not necessarily sure how that would work out, so... I would say in at least the, the short term, like right now, it means nothing. But we'll see what happens, you know, as this thing really plays out over time. And we do, in fact, make that move to the SEC. We may be begging for a 12-team comp, uh, uh, playoff at some point, or we may just be saying four is fine. I don't know. All right. I just – million. What are they doing? That's what I'm saying. Nobody. Nobody. Not even – Athletic directors and conference commissioners and university presidents leave uh, half a billion dollars on the table. It's, I just, I refuse to believe that that's going to happen. But then you have to remember this. Kevin Warren, like the Big Ten, they voted against it. And the same day, Kevin Warren came out and says that the Big Ten wants expansion. Right after he voted against it. So... Logic, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to think anymore, man. Crazy. Thought money Crazy. ruled everything, but apparently OU and Texas going to the SEC, it's just still got people real mad. I, dude, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't get it. Let's finish up either. with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. Concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with soft rocks, rubber safety surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC 
or ready to help you prevent that next slip, visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's softrocom slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the driveway company. The driveway company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit the driveway.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. Make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Winner of the weekend is OU softball. Mm. Unbelievable the run that this team is going on. Uh, we've got Jocelyn Allo is now tied with uh, Lauren Chamberlain, all-time NCAA home runs. Uh, can I the, butt in real quick? Yeah. We have been con- in contact with Jocelyn Allo's people mm-hmm. about a possible – a possible appearance on this here podcast sometime next week after she breaks the record. Just saying we're the, the, the talks texts have been exchanged. Just saying. Wow. So, oh, this is perfect tweet. This, this is starting to work really well. Tweet Jocelyn Allo and make sure, make sure she knows how much you guys want her on here. That, that has Do become it. a very good strategy for us. Load her timeline. Here's just some quick, numbers for the OU softball team they're 10 and 0 all right they've won eight games by run rule six of them in a row they've scored 95 runs in their 10 games they've given up a total of two runs neither one of them earned 25 home runs hit 87 strikeouts thrown unbelievable stuff and there's plenty other statistics to go with that but just unbelievable what this softball team is doing. This could be the team for the ages. That is, and you know, we, we talked about the collective stuff earlier, whatever you want to call it, you know, helping, helping your alma mater, whatever you want to call it. Bet you, bet you softball would be, uh, probably focus on football, but I think softball right now, there is, there's some NIL money to be made for those young ladies. They are, is this team, I mean, I, we'll have to get Coach Gasso on to talk about it, but, and I'm not, this has to be her best team she's ever had. Like, and I know they haven't won a national championship yet. Maybe putting, uh, get, getting a little ahead of myself, but my goodness, just, just ridiculous roster. It is. I mean, it, it's so ridiculous that, some of the players that can't make it on the field are just, you know, they're, they're unreal. The the rotation, the pitching rotation is, it's the best in the country. 
I I can't wait to see what Jordy Ball does by the time she's done. Just a as a young true freshman, just mowing down the competition. Obviously, Jocelyn Allo. Who knows what she ends up? She's tied with uh, Chamberlain right now. There was a thought that maybe there was going to be a little pressure uh, around that number. Not so much. It's just it's fun to watch, man. It really is. Yeah, it is. Uh, the only okay. First of all, whoever's running OU softballs. Like whoever's running their social media account is doing a phenomenal job. Like their Twitter is, it's fantastic. I mean, all the graphics and everything. The only thing, the the angle on on the like the view of Jocelyn Allo tying the home run record. We, we got to have a better camera angle, guys. I mean, come on, what are we doing? Are you talking about the one from behind home plate? Yes. <laughs> are you the one that looks like a fan shot it with their cell phone yes that you <laughs> yes that's the exact one i'm talking about i was so pumped to see it but then i was like wait like what are we doing like well we, i can we get some that, elevation on the angle i think they wanted to capture the celebration at home home play. oh the celebration was sick i'm i don't feel like i'm alone but I'm more interested in calculating the distance of how far her home runs go. Maybe that's why I was like, what is this angle? I wanted to see how far the ball went. That's like my favorite part of watching her hit bobs. It's just like, oh my God, look at where that landed. She hit one the other night. I don't know who it was against, but she blasted it. And the camera was out in center field and it couldn't follow it. So it just like turned to left field. And you just saw over the like the very top corner of the screen, a ball went, and it was like another entire field uh, would have gone over another fence. It's crazy. It's awesome. She's fun, man. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to interview her. That's the plan. Plans in the works. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I I don't want to be viewed as an OU men's hoops hater, but I've got to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I hate to keep doing it, but OU men's hoops is the loser of the weekend. Is there any way around it? Let it. People are starting to point out that you repeatedly make yeah. Oh, you men's hoops, the loser of the weekend. The problem is they kind of bring it on themselves because they keep losing. I know. And I saw a couple of people comment almost as if they were cheering for OU to lose, so I would make them the loser of the week. Yeah, I'm starting to get that <laughs> sense too, which makes me feel bad. I, I do feel bad. I will say this. No Elijah Harkless. I, I think yeah. he's been the best player for that team. The most consistent guy in my mind. Now he is he, you know, is he perfect? No. Does he turn it over too much? Yes. Could he shoot it better? Yes. But I just love the intensity and the effort the guy plays with. And him and Jalen Hill are my two favorite players on that team. And him being out for the year like that, them finding that out, what like a day or two before that game, and then having to go to Hilton. And let's be real, you. You look at the end of that game, it felt like OU was coming back. And then just, it was like, 
it was like Iowa State was the 2017 Golden State Warriors, man. Yeah. They just couldn't miss. It was like an avalanche. I was like, wait, what the hell happened? Then they end up losing by 21. But you only score 54 points. I mean, that's just on just not gonna get it done most nights. Just not. No day. It, whatever. It's not. Um, and I, I did see that Lenardi put out at least a preview for his latest bracketology. I don't know if the full thing dropped, but OU is now they've moved from what the last four in to now the first four out. Correct. So they are trending in the wrong direction. Can, can they still win out in the regular season and make it? They, I mean, if they, okay. You know me. I love to be very positive at times, but I feel like something you and I do a very good job of is being realistic. They are going to get smoked on Tuesday night and love it. Yeah. That is a really good basketball team. I mean, a really good basketball team and Mark Adams group. I mean, they just went to, they just went to Austin and won in the, the whole ticket situation. Incredible work. Texas Tech fans, I'm very proud of you. But Tech is Tech may be the best team in the Big 12. They may be playing better than Kansas and Baylor right now. And going to United Supermarkets Arena Tuesday night, that's that doesn't feel like one where OU is going to get back on the right track. No, and Tech is trending in the right direction as well. Um Beat Baylor, uh, one at Texas. You know, frankly, the last team to beat Tech in a long time is when OU handed them their asses here at the LNC. My guess is it's going to be a little different basketball game down there in Lubbock, Texas. But, you know, especially with Harkless being out, it's going to be tough. It's way more difficult on the road, but... I they, don't know. I, if they can keep that one close on Tuesday night, they, they're, they're capable of winning their last three, right? You've got, you've got Bedlam they, and Norman. They West better Virginia win their last three. They have to win them, right? I, I mean, to. if they want any chance, yeah. Well, they needed to win. They needed to beat Iowa State. Yeah. Really bad. Really, really bad. And it's, it's just going to be really difficult. You know, I, I still believe that the way that this team plays, how good they defend, if they could just make it to the tournament, I think they would do well in the tournament. But playing against the same teams over and over in the Big 12 that have scouted the heck out of you all season, they know what you're going to do. I think it's just it, it's going to be ta- hard in this conference uh, until you get the players. But um I don't know. I'm still holding holding out hope that they make the tournament, but losing that game to a not very good Iowa State team is going to set you back big time. Iowa State, not great, but Isaiah Brockington, I like watching that guy play. Man, he's it. I've watched a lot of Big Twelve basketball this year. He he's first team All Big Twelve in my book. Like he just he just gets buckets. I just love watching the guy play and. It's interesting that you're expressing so much hope for the tournament, Ted, when you are now considered OU basketball's number one hater. So we'll, uh, 
We'll see. We'll see. All right. If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. You also got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that's why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McCallum became the first American distillery to win that competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yes, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit Balcones Distilling. Com. I feel like we're really getting to the ad reads, and if people are skipping them, I mean, we're having fun. I, I know no, no. I'm having fun. It's probably the best content that we have is the ad reads. I, I bet you there are some people <laughs> that hate listening to this podcast that agree with that. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. For my, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with elite draft prospects, NFL draft prospects that really don't want to do drills at the NFL Combine, because did you see this? Well, I, I saw that they were going to have the strict bubble, um, but I didn't see exactly what all it entailed. Yeah, it's just like you can have one person that can help you. They got to clear all this stuff like it did. And there's there's pretty much a general consensus from a lot of people that normally go to the NFL Combine that it's it's really unorganized right now, which is weird. I know. I saw something right before we came on air. I guess was it Schefter that said that there's um, representatives from 150 of the guys that have been invited that are going to boycott it if they yeah. don't change the. That's crazy. Yeah, all like the agents and stuff are like, "What do you? I, I don't know." But basically, the NFL announced some pretty strict bubble guidelines for the NFL Combine. And if you're one of those elite guys and you're looking for a reason, maybe not to do anything, you, you are the winner of the weekend because you ah, have found your out. I'll see you at pro day. You guys just come here for pro day, right? Yeah, Which, you know, I, I think that there was probably a time whenever like you couldn't get good, you know, numbers that you trusted on a guy, right? I think it's way easier to get legitimate numbers now that then at pro days than you used to be able to. So there, there may be a sense of maybe we don't need it as much, but I don't know. It's good. It's good stuff on NFL network. And yeah, it probably I, makes it. What is the NFL money. doing? They are messing with one of their money-making products. Yep. I Something that they're going to do anyways, just throw a couple of guys talking over the, the video of it, and you're going to sell a ton of ads. I don't know. All right, but also thought about going with Sam Presti. Did you see what LeBron said about him? I mean, you, yeah. you talk about something that makes you feel good. If you didn't see it, Le LeBron James was doing his press conference at NBA All-Star Weekend, and he was like, Sam Presti is the MVP over there and was just complimenting Presti's eye for talent. And, man, that – you can think whatever you want about LeBron James, but I, I feel like everyone respects his basketball opinions. 
because it, I mean, when you, when you ask like the high level basketball guys, they'll pretty much tell you LeBron's kind of like a basketball genius. And I'm sure Sam Presti heard that and was like, thank you. Thank you. I feel, I feel fantastic. And I know, I know this, it made me feel better about having Sam Presti as the GM of the thunder. I was like, yes, you're right. LeBron. He's the best. Good point. It sounds to me like LeBron wants to go play in Oklahoma city where he knows a GM is going to be drafting good talent to put around him. And he doesn't have to build a team through free agency every year. Is that what it sounds like to you? It sounds like he'd be very interested in going somewhere that maybe has a ton of draft picks in the future that may be able to use one of those draft picks on his son and then lure him to play with said son. Just say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me one season of Twilight LeBron in OKC. Oh, my. <laughs> that would be the best thing ever. I would lose it. Which how, how far away is his son? I think one more year. Yeah. Is he a junior right now? I don't, I'm not going to pretend I know how old Bronny James is. I, I probably I know should, it's getting close, though. It I mean this with all due respect. Is he is he like that good to where he'll be in the NBA really soon? I think he's I think he'll go directly to the NBA okay. on pedigree alone, you know, just marketability. But, yeah. But I don't, I honestly, I don't know how good he is. Yeah. I, I think he's pretty, I think the team he's on is really good. But if my memory serves me correctly, I don't think he's even the best player on his team. I don't, I'm not going to pretend I know. I'm not big into the high school basketball scene currently. Eh, me neither. But my winner of the weekend, the NBA All Star three point contest. Ted, I think it's official. The three-point contest has surpassed the dunk contest because yeah. watching Carl Anthony Towns, all seven foot of him, stroke it from distance and just get in that rhythm and win that thing as a big man. Like, now I was bummed that Trey Young didn't win. I want to make that. And by the way, Trey Young got his jersey retired at Norman North. That was awesome. awesome. Yep. So cool. But watching Carl Anthony Towns do that was exponentially more entertaining than what happened in that dunk contest. And and I feel like, you know, every dunk's been done. I understand that. But Cole Anthony, he he puts the Timberlands on and like, that was cool. I was like, oh, that's a little different. But it took him forever to dunk the basketball. And then I was so excited to see Jalen Green because I know about like the the type of bounce he's got. Mm -hmm. It ended up taking him like a full 10 minutes to dunk the damn ball. I Obi Toppin ended up winning. Congrats to Obi Toppin. I who who who's that? Obi Toppin. He plays for the Knicks. Well, I mean that's been the problem with the dunk contest for quite some time. I don't know exactly when it was, but like winning the dunk contest used to be like the rite of passage, right? If you ever wanted to be compared to Jordan, you had to go win a dunk contest, right? And that has all changed. I feel like there's too much on the line for these guys. Should they not win it? So they don't enter it. And you know, you're left with down roster guys that still can do some incredible things, but people would rather see the stars compete against each other and do like, even if the dunks are less spectacular, they want the big names competing against one another. Right. 
and that just hasn't happened in a long time. It it has not. So I I used to love the dunk contests. I I was convinced that I was the next Vince Carter. I promise you. I promise you, young me thought I was going to be the next Vince Carter. But it just I mean, is it time to make the switch? Is it time to have the three-point contest finish the night? Like because I I love NBA All-Star Weekend. I think they do a great job you know, adjusting some things, getting creative. I like the skills challenge and kind of the tweaks they made to that. Like it was, it was really entertaining. It was fun seeing Giddy out there. And by the way, Giddy is better than Cade Cunningham. Look up the stats, look up the advanced stats. It's right in front of you people. They don't lie. The numbers don't lie. They don't lie, but I don't know. Like there's the dunk contest is supposed to go last, but man, it just, here's the, here's the reason doesn't feel like the headliner anymore. Well, there's too much stoppage in the action. The three-point contest is great because it's nonstop, right? There's not props and waiting for a guy to tie his shoes or go pull someone from the stands and wait, I need two more guys. Well, no, back up a little bit. Actually, give me one more person. No, you're too tall. Let's go look for someone else. Like, all that crap's going on. (laughs) It's nonstop at the three-point contest, and that's what people want, man. Our attention or our, our um, attention span is shorter than it's ever been. You got to keep it rolling. I would almost like it if they did the dunk contest like during the All Star game, somehow, like during commercial timeouts or or something, where they kept the action rolling through. But I don't know. It's it's something that they've tried a bunch of different formats to make it better and. It's just really difficult, man. It is. I we're recording this during the All Star game. I'm sure Ja Morant has had two or three dunks in that game that would have won the dunk contest. They should have awarded him the dunk contest champion whenever he pinned that ball on the glass with two hands. It was amazing. Took it like above the square. That video of him just ripping tequila shots on the way to the All Star game on the plane. That was amazing. I loved it. I was like, this is, yeah, that's what you should be doing. The, making uh, the all-star game. I, I, I guess people had a problem with that. I don't, wh- why? I don't know. Did you see the meme of, uh, said like everyone want, wants Zion and Morant in the dunk contest. And then it shows them like Morant's doing the tequila and uh, <laughs> Zion sitting there playing video games. Yeah, that's kind of, but that's, that's to the point is, I don't even know when the last time we had a superstar uh, in the dunk contest. Dwight Howard, maybe? I, I don't know. Zach Levine, he's not a superstar, but he was an awesome dunk contest guy. And they that messed that the, whole thing up. That dunk contest was, that was the last great dunk contest. Yeah. Him and the kid that used to be at Orlando, just unbelievable. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Gordon? Got Eric yes. Gordon. Nailed it. Yep. I was yep. like, it's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. But there we go. Did it. Okay. Loser of the weekend. You talk about you talk about a divisive issue. Juwan Howard. One, one it, it seems like there's some there's some there's some polar opposites. Now, most people are probably in the middle, right? Maybe this is like politics. But there, there's a group of people that maybe think he should be in prison for assault and battery. And then there's a group of people that think he did nothing wrong at all. I think the truth lies somewhere in between those two poles. So 
no doubt. You can't be mushing. And by the way, he didn't punch anyone. Stop saying he threw a punch. He did. It was an open hand mush. There is a difference, a very big difference. So you can't be mushing coaches' faces in the handshake line. Can't be doing that. Nope. Yeah, you're got you got to get suspended and fined for that. I do not think he should be fired. And I can't believe so many people think he should be fired for it. Like it, it blows my mind that some people are like, oh, the, yeah, you can't set that example for young people. It's like, okay, what about forgiveness? What about making mistakes? That's also setting an example for young people. He made a bad mistake. You don't have to fire the guy, but if There's you didn't no better see this, example or teaching moment than showing someone what not to do, right? That's probably the easiest way to learn. Yeah. But <laughs> if you didn't see this, Wisconsin, uh, they, they beat Michigan in basketball. And Wisconsin's coach, Greg Gard, he called timeout late in the game. He had a bunch of subs in. Uh, Badgers had a comfortable lead. And game was already over. But he was getting uh, – and Michigan was actually still pressing in the game. But That's the key right there. Yeah, the 10-second the count, it actually resets. So in the backcourt, the 10-second, if you call timeout, that actually resets. And that's a rule that maybe people, some people have hinted that maybe Juwan Howard didn't know the rule, but that's what Greg Gard did. And he explained it after the game. He was like, I had some backups in. I didn't want to put them in that situation. We only had four seconds to get the ball across. So I called timeout. They were pressing. And Jawan Howard did not like it. And first of all, Jawan Howard was a little late getting into the handshake line. And then he tried to hit Greg Gard with the blow by. And basically the blow by, like, I'll remember that. And I think Greg Gard thought he was, he, he could like de-escalate the situation by grabbing Jawan Howard and explaining why he called the timeout. But grabbing him was not a good idea. Putting your hands on another man, especially another man that's a lot bigger than you, <laughs> not a great idea. And I watched this whole thing, this thing unfold, this whole thing unfold. And in the situation, I think I would have reacted the way that Greg Gard did to Juwan Howard trying to blow by him because like, hey, my team just whooped your team's ass. You're going to show me some respect, you know? But then I also was like, I'm pretty sure I would have reacted the same way Juwan Howard did when Greg Gard put his hands on him. Like, hey, man, don't touch me. What are you doing? And he hit him with a, like, pointed his finger in his face. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, boy. But to Greg Gard's credit, I guess a little bit, he got the finger point in the face and he didn't completely lose it, which some guys, you, that's straight up disrespectful. Like the poke in the chest. And the finger point, like right to the face, maybe you press the forehead in between the eyes a little bit. Those are fighting actions. Like, let's just be real. But I didn't. He also like grab his shirt. He he had a hold of like he grabbed. Uh, I think he wanted to explain himself, but he went about it all wrong. So I just like you don't need to touch him that way. You don't need to blow by him. If you're Juwan Howard, like you gotta, you gotta be a little more professional than that. I just, I don't think it's that big of a deal though. There's people like he should be in jail. He should get fired. You can't have someone running your program that does something like this. It's like, 
It was just another basketball fight where nothing happened. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Is like, oh, basketball guys. Only thing that's happened is the shoes are squeaking. That's it. No one's getting punched. No one's like just squeaky shoes. That's all you hear in basketball fights. It, right. it was a mush. Suspend him, fine him. I just don't understand all the people that want him fired. I don't get it. it what am I missing? You're not missing anything. Oh, thank God. People was- that want him fired are people that have no affiliation with Michigan and their basketball team. Bunch or- of OU people, though, tell me, like, hey, no, 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 unacceptably fire him. It's like, if, if Porter Moser did, and listen, I don't think Porter Moser would ever do that, but if he did it, I, I wouldn't want him fired. I'd be like, mm, probably shouldn't mush that guy. Not great. Suspend him, fine him, and then let's move on. It's that simple in my mind. I, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think it, that's something for Michigan to handle. Like if, if Michigan is that embarrassed by it, take whatever actions you want. Like, I think a lot of it will like what, how Michigan handles it. And I guess maybe the big 10 will have something to say about it too, but it'll, it'll tell you more about like how he is on the day to day within that program. Right. If you've got a guy that is a stand up guy, he's doing the right things. He's, He's bringing his team along, and he's 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 growing that those guys individually. Then, okay, you just take it for what it is. Coach was heated after a game where they got beat handily, was mad about it, let his emotions spill over at the end of it. Right, the, no big deal. No one was hurt. I mean, a couple of pet players ended up throwing punches with one another, but no one's hurt. No one cares. Kids aren't going to watch that and all of a sudden think it's okay to go out and get in a fight in a basketball game. The world is not going to fall apart. It's not a problem at all. Kids used to watch the NBA guys throw hands on a nightly basis, okay? And it didn't ruin, you know, Little League or high school or whatever different level of basketball there was. So spare me with the the overblown, he needs to be fired or whatever. That's, it's just ridiculous. Here's the thing. All, all I would say is don't – he handled the whole thing horrible, Jawan Howard did. And I'd also like to see what happened after the timeout. Like, when guard called the timeout, was Jawan Howard, like, flailing and throwing a bunch of antics over there that he called the timeout, which maybe – that's prob- maybe why uh, guard was, like, you know, wanting to have a, a conversation with him there anyways. But I think it's stupid. You're right. It's another basketball fight where nothing actually happens. Everyone just holds one another back. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think it was as serious as so many people are making it sound. Like, it. it's not like, now I will say, some people are saying that the, the assistant that came in was the guy that got mushed. By the way, unfazed by the mushing. It took the mushing like a champion, but that he escalated things. It's like people are trying to make it say, make it How sound like you, these kids pick that guy out that escalated everything. There was a hundred people running. In yeah, there. I, I don't know, but there are a lot of people with strong opinions after, after this thing. And it's just, it's not that serious to me. Like I've seen, I've seen coaches on football staffs fight each other way worse than that. Yeah. Like, and someone would say, well, it's in practice or it's behind closer. It's just, 
I don't know, man. It's just not that big enough. It, I'm kind of leaning towards, and maybe it's because I'm getting old, but I'm starting to lean towards like, why are some people so soft? I think well, I, I think I'm aging. I'm getting, oh gosh. I still believe, I still totally believe that, and this goes for baseball, this goes for football, this goes for basketball. Punish the people that rush over to keep others from fighting. That's always what escalates it. Every single time. When both benches flood over there and everyone starts holding one another back, that's whenever everything just escalates because you've got a million different interactions happening. Those are the people that need to be punished. If those people stop running over there to break things up, almost never will you see a fight because no one wants to fight one-on-one. They want people to hold them back, get one punch in, and then you know be ushered off to the locker room or whatever. Start fining, suspending, punishing those people. That'll put an end to it. Take Juwan Howard. Take Greg Gard. Put him in the center circle of the court. Let him fight for 20 seconds. This has been my theory for forever. Just let him go. Now, maybe Greg Gard, that's probably not a fair matchup. I mean, Juwan's got a bit of a reach on him, but I mean, if they you never if, know, you yeah, never hey, know. It's a great point. It's that's great, why, yeah. that's why you get in the circle to begin with, right? Cause you never know. <laughs> I would just one more thing to add. And I think it was our buddy, Eddie Radosevich that had the video of it that I think it's got like millions of views. The clip of, I don't know if he was a Wisconsin assistant or if he was like a straight coach guy, but the guy that hit the Michigan bench with the crotch chop, oh, elite <laughs> content. I mean, so funny. Made my day when I saw it. I was like, what a, uh, what a perfect response to the situation. Which I haven't seen that since maybe high school when I used to watch WWE or WCW. Who was oh, it yeah. that used to do that? Who was the – was that Triple Diamond H Dallas? was part of it, right? It Triple H. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's right. The suck it thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember? Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's good stuff. And on that note, episode 191 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.